Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. The title of my message is, Let's Not Make a Big Deal of It. Let's not make a big deal of it. How many of you have heard this phrase from somebody you know before? They're like, let's not make a big deal of it. How many of you are like, let's make a big deal about everything, right? That's more your personality. You're like, I love a party. I love a celebration. I like attention. Let's do it, okay? If you're wondering who I know that's like that, have you met my daughter, Tegan? She is all about Like every day, like at a party, she's like, what's the next party I can plan at this party that I'm at right now, even though there's two more after this already lined up, right? It's just, that's what she's about. But I have people in my life who are more like, ah, let's not make a big deal of it sort of people. In fact, when I was on my sabbatical, I got a chance to go on uh, like this little miniature prayer retreat with a few of my friends uh, who live all over the place. They, They drove or flew in to sort of hang out with me. And one of my buddies that I haven't seen in a long time was telling me just about things that were going on in his life. And one of the things that he told me is he's like, I, uh, over the past year, I, I wrote this, this book. And I'm like, you wrote a book? Like, that just sounds amazing to me. And maybe you're not picturing this guy. Picture somebody that you're just like, they would never write a book. And then that person being like, I wrote a book. And you're like, mm, like a kid's book? Is it a picture book? Let me, I don't know what we're, you know, getting into right now, right? And he gave me, like, he had a, a pre-release copy of it, and I'm flipping through it, and I'm, like, looking at the cover art, and I'm flipping through, and I'm, like, kind of skimming it. I'm, like, this actually looks amazing. He's, like, yeah, it's just about to come out. And I'm, like, this is incredible. I'm, like, you got to get the word out about this thing. This is awesome. I can't believe you did this. Like, I'm proud of you. Like, I want to celebrate. Are you going to have, like, a big release party and, like, just get, like, everybody together and, like, you know, have, like, sign copies of the book and, like, you know, just, just have a big party. I like, cause I think that would be awesome. I think that could be really incredible. And I want to come, like, I think we should do it. And he's just like, yeah, that could be incredible. I'm probably not going to do that though. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't like, yes. I mean, I'm proud of the thing that I did, but I just, I don't, let's not make a big deal of it. Okay. I just, I think that it could just fly under the radar. You know, let's just, let's just let it be. And, you know, I did it, and it's done, and that's great. And, you know, we're celebrating now, and that's, that's good enough, you know? I just, I don't need, like, a whole commemorative celebration and a big, big ceremony. It just feels unnecessary. Like, it's fine just being what it is. And listening to them, like, part of me felt a little disappointed. And part of me was like, okay, you know, I kind of get it. Like, it kind of makes sense to me. And, you know, part of me even ad- admired it a little bit of just like, wow, it's really humble that you, you don't want to make too big of a deal. You know, he's like, there's, there's too many people that are like, look at me, you know, most of them exist on social media. Um, and so he's just like, I don't want to be that. And I'm like, I like that. That's respectable. That's humble. That's noble. And it's also kind of logical, right? You don't have to have a big book release party, um, like, even if you don't have a big book release party, it doesn't mean that you didn't write a book, right? The book still exists without the party. And this is true of a lot of things in life. Maybe you figured this out. I didn't want to go to my graduation in high school. I just didn't want to do it. And, uh, you know, my, I was, my argument that I used with my mom, which did not work, by the way, I was just like, mom, like, just because you don't walk with your class in graduation doesn't mean you didn't graduate, 
And she's like, it does to me. You're going if you want to keep living in this house. And I did. I wanted the free food and the zero rent. And so I, I did it, right? But the point still stands, right? And maybe you've realized this about different areas in your life, right? Just because you don't have this massive wedding doesn't mean that, like, you know, your vows don't count or that the marriage doesn't count. In fact, I realized this right before I got married. And my father-in-law actually offered me the price of the wedding to just give it to me if we didn't throw it. He was just like, listen, I'm gonna spend like $10,000 on this thing. If you just get married at a courthouse, I'll just give you the money. And I was like, what? That is awesome. Let's do that. Babe, we should do that. And then she almost didn't marry me at that point because she was mad at both of us. I was like, that's a down payment on a house. And she's like, you mentioning this is a down payment on us not being together. So maybe you just, I want the pictures more than I want that, that house. And I was like, we're different. We're different people, but I, I love you and I'll do whatever you say because I want this to move forward, this relationship, right? You realize that like, if you skip an award ceremony, it doesn't mean that you didn't get the award. It doesn't mean that you didn't help the people or do the thing that was noteworthy, right? And so why do these things? Like some of us, you know, we're okay with all this stuff. We're like, I don't mind it. I don't care making a big deal, not making a big deal. Like I'm fine with it. Others of us, we're fine with making a big deal about some things, but not other things. There are certain things where we're just like, I don't feel like that needs to be, you know, publicly celebrated or commemorated. And I think when we hit something in our lives where we're like, I don't want to make a big deal of that thing, I think there are reasons behind it. And in fact, I think it, no matter what it is, whether we're talking about, you know, I, I don't, the, an accomplishment or an achievement or a commitment, I think the reasons are often the same. And for those of you that can't think of any, right, let me just give you a few. I, I think one of the reasons is we're just like, I don't want the attention. Like, I don't want, everyone is going to be looking at me and they're gonna be, you know, watching me. And I gotta be honest, I'm not like at a watchable weight right now. Like, I don't really want everyone staring and everyone like investigating and everyone focusing and then people are gonna be talking about me. People are gonna be talking to me. I can't have that many conversations with people. Like, I just, it's gonna be too much. They're gonna know things about me that maybe I don't want them to know. I kinda like flying under the radar. I don't want the attention. For others of us, it's like, I don't want the hassle. I don't want the hassle of this thing, right? Sinking schedules, then you gotta invite everyone, and then like certain people are gonna be mad because they didn't get invited, then you gotta resend invites, and then you're gonna have to decide what to wear, and you're gonna have to decide what to say, and you're gonna have to reserve you know, seats, or you're gonna have to reserve hotel rooms, or food, or whatever the thing is for the thing that you're doing, and your routine's gonna be disrupted, and it's just everything, it's just a lot. And if you didn't have to do it, it'd just be easier, right? It's so much easier to not do something than to do the thing. And sometimes we're just like, I just don't want to go to all the trouble. For some of us, it's that we don't want the drama. Whew. Some of you are like, I didn't agree with the first two, but you got me. I do not want the drama, right? And some of you are thinking like, you know, <laughs> how dramatic could like a celebration be? And others of you are like, you don't know my family, they can turn everything into drama, okay? 
Like it just, you put people together that maybe aren't used to being together because it's all these different people from different aspects of your life. And sometimes it's a powder keg, right? And it's just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want the fights to break out. I don't want to be pulled into discussions about things that I don't want to talk to certain people about. They're going to corner me and be like, what do you think about this? And I'm going to be like, I don't, not the same as you. So I don't want to go there right now. I don't want to get into all that. Like, I don't want to do all the small talk. Like, I don't, I, like, I know that there are certain people that I would feel like I need to include that if I do, they don't agree with me and what I'm doing and what I'm moving forward with. And so it's just, it's going to be drama, whether they're there or not there. Either way. For some of us, we're like, I just don't want the expense. It's, it's pricey. Okay, and maybe you're like me and you're like, I'm cheap. Okay, I just, what's the, can we just do this the easy way? Like, I don't, the ceremony itself, the party is gonna cost because you're gonna have the location and the decorations and the food and the travel and the gifts and the outfits and the backup outfits, right? Like, all that sort of stuff. You're gonna have to take time off work. It's gonna cost money. And I would just rather not spend the money than have to spend it to do this thing that technically, I mean, it already happened. And so now we, but now we got to do a big thing about the thing that already took place. I don't, I don't want to do it. For some of us, we don't want the pressure, right, of having to follow through. Like when you stand up in front of a bunch of people and you make a commitment or you talk about something that you've accomplished or achieved, now there's pressure of like, now that you've done this, what's next? What are you going to do next? What's the next thing that you're going to tackle? You ever had that happen where you're just like, I just want to avoid that conversation. Like, wow, you spent six years of your life trying to achieve this and you did it. What's next? And you're like, can we not celebrate this for five minutes before you put pressure on me to set a bunch of new goals? Like, this is crazy. I've actually had people from our church that are like, I don't, we don't, we're not ready to get married because uh, as soon as we get married, people are going to corner us and they're going to start asking us the same question that we don't want to answer, that we already know what it is. And you know what it is too. When are you going to start? Yeah. You guys have some of the same parents and grandparents. Uh, apparently everyone else has. And it's just like, I don't want that pressure. I don't want to be asked this question. I don't want to have to go through that thing. And others of us, it's that we don't want the closure. It's that, you know, Maybe we like the season that we're in and we don't want to have to be pushed past it. Maybe we don't like it, but at least it's familiar. We want to sort of keep the door open to where we've been or what we've done. Once you kind of come out and you're just like, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is where I'm going. And like, it's a big thing. Then suddenly like that chapter sort of closed and a new chapter opens. And like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I, I don't know if I want to narrow the options. I don't know if I want to be forced to, to grow up and mature. And, and if I do this and I check this off and everybody's aware of it, it's like I'm one step closer to like being old or dead, right? Or both. Sometimes they go together, guys. I've, I've heard. Some of you, you're so extroverted that none of these things have occurred to you. Like none of these panicked points of resistance have ever even popped in your head. You're like, wow. So that's why people take anxiety medication. Like this is occurring to you for the first time. Okay, that's making a lot of, lot of sense, right? Others of us, we're, just, we're looking at this list and we're just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it right there. In fact, just seeing it now, is reminding me, I, there's some stuff I need to go back out of. I, I, I am feeling anxious and overwhelmed right now, right? I'm having trouble. I'm having a panic attack right now to things I've committed to do. Like, I need to get out of here or find like a, you know, uh, an usher with some Xanax. I don't know. I, I just need to, whew, 
It's so much. It'd be so much easier not to do it than to do it. Uh, some of us, we experience all these things. Some of us experience one or two. Some of us, it's just, it depends on what it is. I think we all have things, though, that we're like, I just, I'm fine making a big deal about this. I don't want to have to make a big deal about that. Can we just sort of let that be low-key? Can we just sort of keep it under wraps? I don't really want to put that commitment or that accomplishment on display. So why would we do it then if we have so many reasons not to? Because here's the paradox. Part of why something is healthy for you is that it's hard for you in just the right way. Because growth requires resistance. Isn't that annoying? Don't you hate that? Don't you wish that growth could just come to you in the easiest possible way? What'd you do to grow and have breakthrough in your life? Nothing. I didn't do anything. I just, yeah, it was fantastic. The biggest breakthrough in my life came when I just, I took a nap actually. And that was, oh man, right? I just did whatever was easy. And that was really when I took it to the next level, right? That's not the way that life works. It's definitely not the way growth works, right? Think about physical growth, right? If you're trying to grow your muscles, right? You have to push against the resistance of weight, right? And you break those muscles apart and they begin to grow back stronger, right? If you're trying to grow your endurance of running or biking or hiking or whatever, you push yourself a little bit past where you think those limits are and you begin to stretch and grow, right? You grow your belly by pushing to the front of the buffet line <laughs> again and again and again. Guys, I know these things from experience. I've been there. That's how it works, right? Um, but I say just the right way because we all have a threshold, Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a limit to how much resistance we can experience. Like Too much resistance in a given moment is actually crushing. I, my, my boys uh, have recently are just like, Dad, just show us how to lift weights. Because we have this little weight set up in our backyard. And they see me get up and work out and stuff. And now they're just kind of like, maybe I want to do that. Right? It would be crazy of me to pull my, my sons who are like, you know, 60 pounds, whatever, and just be like, I'm going to start you with how much I bench. Let's go! And just drop it on, you know, and just snap, it would snap their trachea. They would die, right? Like, that's too much resistance, right? And so what I have to do is give them, like, is that a good way? Is that easy? Okay, let's go a little bit beyond that. Let's give you a little bit of resistance and, and to push against, to strengthen yourself and to grow, it's got to be just at the right point. And so if all growth requires resistance, what kind of resistance does spiritual growth require in life? And I think spiritual growth requires us to choose what will cultivate our character over what will cater to our comfort level, which is why during this series that is really focused on 
helping you grow spiritually, why we have challenged you, why we've invited you to take certain next steps, why we have said like, hey, we wanna invite you to serve, to serve in an area where maybe you haven't before, in an area that has need where maybe you don't feel like an expert in, right? To serve maybe more than you have served before because the need exists. We've challenged you to give, right? To give to things that maybe you've not given before, to give in ways you've not given before, to give more consistently than you have before. We've challenged you to invite, to like invite people to talk about your faith story, to invite people to come and join you and be a part of what we do here and come and see the place and the people that have made an impact on your life and why we invite you to get baptized, right? To, to have this moment where you publicly commemorate the seriousness of your faith journey with the ceremony that is right out in front of everybody. Some of you are like, I know that's the one that I don't like. I'll just do like three out of four is good. I mean, that's like 75%. That's a C, that's passing. God understands. Right? Like, so if maybe you have all these reasons above that you kind of don't want to do it, then why, why would you? And I would say that all of our lives are marked by moments where we pushed past our discomfort and the expense of something and the inconvenience of something. We pushed past all of those things because we knew that what was going to happen in it and on the other side of it was going to be worth it. If you look back over the course of your life, it's moments in which you stretched yourself to do something that you knew you needed to do but maybe didn't want to do that made all the difference. In fact, all the other days just sort of bleed together. This is how we mark time in our stories. But not only that, there's something outside of you and what benefits you that baptism involves. Now, baptism is such an elaborate symbol that there's no way we could really mine all the depths of it in one short sermon. But I, I, like, I really want to talk to you about this concept today that I think makes getting baptized all together now so incredibly profound. And that's because I believe that public ceremonies have the power to impact those observing as much or more than those participating. And you've probably noticed that this is true. Anybody watch the Olympics, right? Now, you weren't participating in the Olympics, you were just observing it, right? You were observing the ceremony. But wasn't there something about it that was moving, that was interesting, that was inspiring, that pulled you in, that made you feel like you couldn't miss it, that made you feel like maybe you could be a better person because of what you'd seen? We know that this is true. We don't always realize why it's true or how it's true. And this is why. I, I, think, I think the reason that this is true is because it... it provides the people who are looking on with things that we often discount when we're making our decision about what we want to do. The first thing it does, I think it, it's a validation for those who contributed to the outcome. And again, when I didn't want to go to my own graduation, my mom informed me, it's not just about you, babe. She said that to me a lot as a kid. Is that abnormal? She was like, listen, this is about all the people who got you to this moment. And I'll be honest with you. There were a lot of times we didn't think it was going to happen. 
You are a challenging child. Right? There are teachers. There's your father and I. There's grandparents. There's tutors. There's your youth pastor. There's the neighbor who drove you to school for a short period of time. There's all these people who've invested so much into this moment happening. And you do it for you, but you really do it for them. You do it for the moment when they're sitting watching and thinking like, my investment made a difference. I'll tell you, like whether we're talking about a graduation or a wedding, even a baptism, this is a piece of it, right? The validation of people who are like, my investment made a difference. I talk to people all the time who give to our church regularly, maybe even people who give above and beyond. And you know, one of the things they always tell me is, One of the reasons why I love giving here, I I give out of obedience to God. I give because I think it's the right thing to do. I give because it's a personal discipline. But you know what really fuels me? When I watch people walk up to the I said yes corner, when I get to watch a video of somebody whose life has been changed, when I watch baptisms happen and I hear a snippet from somebody's story and I watch them go under the water and be brought back out and I realize that their whole life has been changed and I was a part of it because I invested into it. The second reason I think it's important to the, and impactful to the people who are observing is that it's inspiration for those who see new potential for them because of what's possible for you. And haven't you found this to be true in your own life, right? Where you, this is something you didn't think you were ever gonna be able to do or break through or accomplish or tackle. And then you watch somebody and maybe you saw like a before and after picture or maybe you heard like where they came from and maybe you saw a little bit of the journey and you're just like, wow, I guess I just kind of written that off. But now that I've seen you do it, I feel like maybe I could do it. I feel like there's hope for me. It's part of the reason why in recovery movements, right, there's, there's always a sponsor, like somebody who's already walked that road, who's already gone through that stuff, who's assigned to you, who you're connected to because you're like, man, I just feel like this is impossible, but I'm looking at you and you've already done it, maybe I feel like I can do it too. We start to think like maybe I've been thinking too small about what I'm capable of, about what God wants to do in my life. Maybe I've settled in ways that I shouldn't. What happens is when we behave like something is a big deal, it becomes a big deal. There are certain things that really are a big deal but we minimize them by refusing to commemorate and celebrate them. And there are other things that like, man, they're not really a big deal and we blow them up way bigger than they should be. You ever like looked at something in culture and you just thought like, that should not be as big a deal as people are making it? Why, Why is that the thing that we are like, that we're broadcasting and that everyone's freaking out about or that we feel the need to throw an after party for? On the other hand, you probably had moments where you've been sitting with somebody and you're sort of catching up on life. Maybe like me and my friend who wrote a book. And they're talking about something and they just sort of breeze over it. And you're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. time out, time out, time out. Let's go back. That thing that you just said, that's a big deal. Nah, it's not. No, I'm, no, I'm serious. That's a huge breakthrough for you. Like, that's a massive accomplishment. That's a huge commitment. That's a big deal thing. Like, that needs to be commemorated and celebrated. Like, I I think that you are underplaying something that really needs to be celebrated. 
and commemorated. Maybe, in fact, somebody's done that for you in a moment. You didn't realize how much you needed it until after it happened. I think there are certain things in our spiritual lives that we need to make a big deal of. And I think baptism is one of those things. But why is it one of those things? Like, why is dunking someone in, you know, a a hot tub vaguely shaped like a coffin, like, why is that so spiritual? Why, Why is that the thing that we picked? I think there's a lot of clues in Scripture. Some of you are like, I hope there are, right? Let me read you a, a couple little pieces of a couple stories in Scripture that, that give us some insight on this. Mark chapter 1, verse 4, says this. this it's a, a picture from the life of this guy, John the Baptist. It says, as a messenger from God, John the Baptist preached that people should be baptized to show that they'd repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All Judea including the people in Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John and they confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. So here's what's happening, in case you didn't catch it. There's this guy who precedes Jesus, actually Jesus' cousin, and he lives in the wilderness and he is a prophet and he's preaching, he's describing what God is like and he's describing what it means for humans to flourish God's way. And as people are listening to him, they're coming to this realization that they've been orienting their lives in the wrong direction, that they've been letting their lives revolve around themselves as opposed to revolving around God. And, And they feel like they need not just to realize this in their own minds, but to like actually say it out loud, to confess it, to draw other people's attention to it. And other people are like, yeah, we were waiting until you were gonna notice. But yes, yes, that has been happening. Because it wasn't who or how these people wanted to be. And after they realize this and confess this and decide to point their lives in a different direction, John immediately takes them down to this river and dunks them underwater. Why? Why do they do this? Why do they make a show out of it? The verse actually tells us a little bit above. They do this to show that they had repented. Now, what does that mean? Maybe you heard that word thrown around in Christian circles, but it's kind of one of those things where you're like, what it, I kind of know, but maybe not. Why don't you tell me? To repent really just means to acknowledge that what you're doing isn't working and to aim your beliefs and behaviors in a different direction. This is what it means to repent, right? So let's say that you realize that eating junk food every day is sort of making you sick and sluggish. And you're like, I don't like that, Right? Uh, repenting of that would be like, okay, this isn't working for me. This is having negative impact on me. And I'm going to try, I'm going to aim my life at eating differently, which I know I'm not going to do perfectly. When I fall, I'm going to get back up again. The importance is aiming my life in this direction. Repenting wouldn't be like, I know I probably shouldn't, (laughs) right? And just double fisting Doritos and just being like, don't judge me, right? Like that's not repentance, And so the people in in this little story in Mark, these people are getting baptized to show that they have chosen to orient their lives around God's wisdom instead of their own. That's the profound moment that this, this occasion is marking for them in their lives. And this is why we don't really see infants, right, being baptized in the New Testament because um, they're not really old enough to choose, right? I've never, like, you know, uh, talked to a six-month-old that was like, you know what? I feel like my life has really gone off the rails. I, 
man, I, I had this epiphany one day that it's just like, I've been making it about me, you know, and I've been, it's selfish. And I want to orient my life more around God. And so I just need to turn from this direction. I want to start moving my life in this direction. And so I would very much like to commit my life to Christ and be baptized. Never, never had that conversation with an infant, which is why I really haven't baptized any infants. So that's how that goes. Because they're not old enough to make that choice. But this thing wasn't just something that John the Baptist did. And some of you are like, he has to with that name, right? I mean, it's like, you're going to have to. That came afterwards. So that was like nickname post. It wasn't like they gave it to him and he's like, well, I guess I'm going to baptize people. I don't even know what that means, but let's invent something, right? It came afterwards. And then because people were like, this guy's doing a lot of baptizing, old John the old Baptist. People were like, let's write that down. That's a good one. What was that? My quill was dry. What, what did you say? John the Baptist. I like that. Let's, we're going to cement that in. That's a good one. That's going in the Bible that I'm not aware I'm writing right now. Jesus is baptized. Jesus baptizes followers. Jesus encourages them to baptize their followers. In fact, this is one of the last things Jesus says to his followers. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, Jesus came and he told his disciples. This is after he's died and raised from the dead. And he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And they were like, we believe you. Remember when you came back from the dead? Whoa, you got something's going on, okay? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always. So Jesus is saying, I am the ultimate authority on all things everywhere, in heaven and on earth. And here's what I want you to do. If you are committed to following me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to help other people to live their lives according to my example. That's what becoming a disciple means. And when people decide that they want to do this, baptize them. And I know part of you is like, why do that? You, you Trust me, you need to commemorate this moment together. And once you've baptized them, continue to teach them to obey all of the things that I've taught you. The way that I've, I've said, like, this is the way to live. This is how life really works. This is how to live life to the full. I think it's really interesting that he tells his followers, like, listen, go out and tell people this good news. Introduce them to who I am. Once they decide to orient their lives around me, baptize them and then teach them to obey. That's interesting because a lot of times the pushback we have for being baptized is like, oh, I still got some stuff that is jacked up in my life. I don't know. I'm not obeying all of the things. Neither were the people that John the Baptist and Jesus and his disciples baptized. They didn't have everything figured out or solved or put on the rails yet. They were just like, listen, I am aware. I can't keep doing this. I want to do this. I think Jesus is the way. I want other people to be aware of it. I want them to know it. In fact, in this moment, I need the accountability for it. Maybe you're thinking, that's great. Like, I get that you need a ceremony to, so you feel the weight of it, so that you're moving in this direction, so that other people are inspired. But why this ceremony? Right? Like, why do we need to, like, you know, push people underwater? Why can't we just like throw a pizza party, you know, at a place where we can play video games and listen to a rat sing? Why can't we do that? So I like winning tickets. 
Now, baptism comes from somewhere, like every uh, spiritual practice, every spiritual ritual. Baptism comes from this ancient Israelite ritual that's found in the Old Testament. It's called the mikveh, and it's essentially a ritual cleansing. So the, people believe that, you know, we can do things and say things and we can orient our lives in certain ways that make us unclean. And what, what they meant by this is like that it actually puts distance between you and God and it puts distance between you and other people. And we can actually feel this distance in our own lives. And, and part of like the repentance practice in the Old Testament was, was, was you know, there were all these rules about how this ritual was to be conducted, but you would essentially wash yourself in a very specific way in a spiritual ceremony so that you could be clean. It was a way of showing yourself and God and your community that you were serious about moving on from one set of living and moving your life in a different direction. But this was something you did over and over and over again because people would leave the washing and then go screw up and then be like, now I gotta wash again. And this was something that was repetitious over and over again. What happens in the New Testament is Christ followers, even dating back to the time that Jesus was here on earth, they adopted and they reinterpret this, like a form of this sort of practice of a mikveh um, to symbolize stepping into a new life with Christ. Because they believe that by accepting his sacrifice on the cross for their sin, that they had been washed and made clean. And in fact, they've been washed and be made clean once and for all. Like they didn't have to go back and do it over and over and over again. That the price that Jesus paid for their sins to cleanse them is something that like they're gonna have to figure out how to live it out, but they don't have to repeat the ritual over and over and over. This is why like some old timers in the faith will often call uh, this idea of saying yes to Jesus or giving your life to Christ or getting saved as being washed in the blood. And some of you are like, that has always creeped me out. I never knew what that meant. I always just envisioned what happened in Carrie. And I was like, I don't want that. Please no, right? It's this idea that like, you're not just washed with, with water, but like, in fact, the sacrifice of Jesus is enough to cover over all of the sin and the guilt and the shame in your life. Baptism is something that, that represents that to the world. Maybe you grew up in a different tradition that sort of saw it in a different sort of way than maybe we talk about it. And so I wanna just sort of explain very briefly what some of the varying views of baptism are uh, within Christianity. Some people or some traditions view baptism as a requirement for salvation, okay? And so in, in, this, in this view, Without being baptized, you can't be part of the church. You can't be saved. You can't go to heaven. Uh, this view is most notably held by the Catholic church, a lot of high church models. Maybe some of you grew up in this mode, right, where it was like very important to race and hurry up and get baptized because until you came up out of that water, right, you were doomed to hell because that was the thing that did it. This is um, rejected by mostly by most Protestant um, churches and for a lot of different reasons, rooted in scripture. One, one of the ones I think is most uh, obvious is there's this moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross, right? And he's dying, he's crucified between um, these, these other criminals. And one of them is just like, I, he's repenting, right? He's like, I realize in this moment 
that like my life has been horrible. I've done some horrible things. I deserve to be here. And I realize there's something different about you. There's something holy, divine about you. And my, my request is that, that you would grant me forgiveness and freedom from my sin because I just, I don't want to go out this way. And Jesus looks over at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. It's Jesus' way of saying like, I, as the human representative of God, God in human form, I'm going to grant you forgiveness of sins and, and a passageway into heaven. But here's what's interesting about that story. There's no point in right afterwards where Jesus was like, hey guys, real quick, time out from the crucifixions. And then he like pulled himself off the cross and the other guy got up and he's like, we gotta find some water, make this thing official. This didn't really count, right? Till we d that didn't happen. Because baptism isn't necessarily that mechanism or so we believe. Uh, some people view it as a sacrament, right? Um, in this view, People view it as essentially, some traditions view it as that God leveraging this ceremony to sort of impart a new experience of his grace and, um, and himself to us. Like Christians who, uh, who, who, who hold this view often see baptism as this moment or this mechanism in which God officially, um, you know, sort of indoctrinates or pulls people into the church at large. It's like the initiation right into the family of God. And then there's a third way of viewing it, which is baptism as a symbol, as a symbol. And another way to say it would be this. You've probably heard this before. It is an outward demonstration of an inward transformation, right? It is a symbol of something that has taken place. It's about going public with our faith and trust in Jesus. The act itself doesn't wash away your sins. This is something that God does by himself through his grace, and he doesn't need to get you wet to do it, okay? He can do it just by flooding your heart with his spirit. Baptism is commemorating something that God has already done and sharing it with the people around you. And maybe you're wondering, like, well, what do you guys believe? Here at South Hills, we really, our, our thoughts on baptism really fall between, somewhere between two and three, um, a combination of both of them. We believe that it's not really as much about salvation as it is about identification. That ultimately getting baptized is a way of communicating to everyone around you that trusting in and living like Jesus are now your top priorities. This is its design, to send this message to your family and friends and community and strangers, to send this message that like, I have embraced who Jesus is and what Jesus has done on my behalf. And I'm placing all my faith and hope and trust in him. I'm believing in his sacrifice and his wisdom in his way. And I want to model my life after his. I get that you may not be like a big fan of ceremonies, but I think this is worth making a big deal of. And I think that because Jesus thought that. I think you need it. I think the people around you need it. I think there's a whole lot of validation and inspiration that is stacked on you taking this next step. I think that there are people who need to see you do it because seeing that your life has changed will inspire the people to think that maybe they could make a change where they didn't think it was possible before. And I know you're thinking like, I, listen, I don't know if I want to do this thing to celebrate life change. I still got a lot of changing to do. 
And sometimes I think we, we, we don't want to share our stories until they're further along, until we feel like we've perfected more things. We got more things worked out where we look more like Jesus in every single area of our lives. And we stall and we stall. We're like, I don't want to show before and after sort of pictures or moments or snapshots of my life until there's a, more of a difference. I don't want it to be like before, after. And people are like, I'm not seeing a difference. I'm nervous. And yet sometimes I think that we undercut just how much God has already done in our lives. I think the reality is that, that your imperfect progress is exactly what somebody else needs to see to step into theirs. This, this is why I, I'm asking everyone in our church to come back today at 1245, one o'clock for baptisms. Because some of you need to take this next step and some of you just need to see it. You need to watch it. You need to identify somebody else who is totally imperfect, just like you, who's taking their next step, who's pushing against the resistance, who's believing that God has more for them in the future than they're already experienced or have experienced in the past, who have realized there are things that need to be reoriented around who God is. I think seeing that, is going to give hope, going to insert hope into the hearts of people that are like, I, I think maybe I can do it too. One thing I love about all these John the Baptist stories is that when people heard him preach, they decided to devote their lives to revolve around God. They, they almost always dropped everything, found the nearest body of water, and invited him to baptize them in front of the biggest crowd they could find because they, they needed the moment. They wanted to celebrate. They needed the ceremony and they needed to see it and the other people in their life needed to see it too. And I think the same is true for you. There's so many moments in scripture, Book of Acts is a great example where 3,000 people decide to follow Jesus and then immediately after, they line them up and baptize them. There's no baptism class, right? They don't have everything in their lives completely figured out. They're just like, I, I'm going to repent. I'm going to detach my life from moving this direction, and I'm going to aim it in this direction. And I want you all to see it. I'm going to do it imperfectly, but this is where I'm going. And that's what we're going to do today. And some of you, you have said yes to Jesus and haven't yet been baptized, and it's time to stop stalling. Today is your day. And this is the beauty of you being at the 10 o'clock service. You got time. You got time to text some people, to call some people. You got time to go grab like, you know, a different pair of shorts or a shirt. I mean, I'm just gonna be wearing this later, but you can wear whatever you want to, okay? What I wanna encourage you to do though is to, to go all in. Whether you are getting baptized this afternoon or whether you're just gonna be there to cheer somebody else on, to be validated <laughs> because they took a step because you've been contributing all along. And maybe today's your day and we get to celebrate you. I think this has the potential to be a day you will never forget. A day that marked your life. A day where there was a clear before and after. 
And that's why I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads across this room? God, I just, I thank you for who you are, for how you love us, for all the ways that you have rescued our lives and helped us to move forward. God, thank you for your love, your forgiveness. Thank you for the way that you cover over our sin, guilt, and shame with your sacrifice. God, today for some of us, we were aiming our lives in your direction for the first time. Others of us, we're just, we're firming up that commitment that we made a long time ago. And some of us have never really had this moment of public declaration that this is who we are and what we believe in the direction we want to move. And today's our day. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage to follow through with the next step that you're calling us to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless. Thank you.